We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Budding Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. We are back from the bye. The Rams did not have a game this week. Johnny, what'd you do with your bye week, man? Oh, you know, I counted uh, ceiling tiles, you know, watched paint, <laughs> you know. No, no, actually, I still watch football. I'm, I'm still a diehard football fan, even if my team isn't playing. Uh, but, yeah, still <laughs> dedicated my Sunday to football. And your, you, man? and your Thursday, I'm sure, I think, uh it is a holiday tradition to just watch, in this case, some not fantastic football games, but we got to see some teams that are relevant to us play, so I guess that was nice. And especially in the first game, Detroit-Chicago, and what was, you know, a lot of people, like, complained about how we were, ce- like, not Rams fans, but, like, people in general, how much they were celebrating that Chiefs-Rams game because there was so much offense and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no defense played. Well, A, there was. And B, you could take that first half of the Bears-Lions game and show that to your football purists if you want to complain about a high-octane game like the Rams-Chiefs. You know, I, I, I'm i not going to trade it for anything. But anyways, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the happenings around the, the league 
this week and in the future since we have no game to recap. And then we'll talk about the Lions game and team coming off the bye a little later. But first, guys, don't forget, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android Player FM, Spotify. We might be in some spots that we don't even know yet. And, of course, on IED Radio, where our show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And, again, don't forget, we got a lot of podcasts in our feed. Rampage Radio will be back this week. Rams Talk Radio has already happened. They might get another episode. I know Derek and Norm are going to be at the game this week, so look for the post-game show or whenever their recap comes up next week. I'm sure it'll be a good one. But, anyways, let's let's kind of look into the crystal ball here a little bit. Johnny, I know we, we wanted to talk about magic numbers this week and what the Rams' magic numbers can be to do certain things in the playoffs. Let's start with this. <laughs> the Rams need to win one game to win the NFC West or need the Seahawks to not win out even if we lose out. How confident are you that this one's going to happen? Well, what better person to talk about magic numbers than Magic Johnny? <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, I had to throw that one in there. But uh, you would have to have, like, the biggest miracle happen in order for the Rams to screw this up. And this isn't Jeff Fisher Rams, so I'm pretty confident that this is going to happen. You know, uh, I I don't even know who the Seahawks are playing this week, but it it doesn't matter because I don't envision a loss any time in the future. Uh, Spoiler alert. Nah, and he, he, the Seahawks, people are actually kind of picking them to make the playoffs, um, which I don't, you know, I don't fully agree with because they do. They play San Francisco twice in Arizona. Even if you count those as three wins, they got a home game, two home games. They actually have four, four out of five to end the season at home. They got Minnesota and Kansas City. I mean, they're they're probably not winning both of those. I think there's a chance they lose both. I could see them splitting. You know, if you split, you go four and one. They probably are going to the playoffs. They finished ten and six, but I mean, I mean, regardless, even if they do win out, we're not going to lose out. You know, it's not going to happen. Um, and you know, I was looking into it today because they said the Rams clinched the playoffs, and I, I was digging into it. And we haven't technically clinched the playoffs yet. There's a couple scenarios where if we lost out, you know, we would need a good amount of teams to win the rest of their games because even if we lose out, the Seahawks lose once board in the playoffs as the division winner but it's it's incredibly unlikely for us not to win the division at this point and even more unlikely for us to miss the playoffs outright but yeah i mean that's not even worth discussing the seahawks you know we could talk about them if we want they'll probably be in the wild heart card discussion you know if if we were able to avoid them in the playoffs i'd be okay with it they play us tough every time uh, i'm not really worried about them beating us but oh well to clinch a first-round bye, which I think is the next step here, all they really have to do is win the Week 14 right showdown with the Bears. That's going to be on Sunday Night Football in Chicago. If they win that game, they really only need to win one other game. And you know, we play Arizona and San Francisco again. We play Detroit this week. Uh, we play the Eagles, which isn't as tough as a game as it seemed before the season started. I and if if we do end up losing to the Bears, then we really just need to get to fourteen wins. So we can lose to the Bears, win the rest of our games, we still get the bye. If we drop to thirteen wins and have a loss to the Bears, we 
We basically just need the Bears to um, finish 12 and 4. And that's about it. It's it's a pretty clear path to a first round bye. And honestly, it seems also incredibly unlikely that we don't get a first round bye. Yeah, you would need a lot of scenarios. And, and basically, you're, you'd be playing the what if game. And yeah, we're not living in too many alternate dimensions here. Unless the Rams suddenly just stop playing football, uh, I, I highly doubt that they don't get a first round bye. Right, and I could see them losing to the Bears. I, I don't really think they will, but the Bears are a good team. Tough environment on the road, primetime game. You know the Bears crowd is going to be hype. But even if they lose that game, the Bears need to win every other game they play. And the Rams still, um, they would still need to drop another game. So they have to lose to the Bears and then lose to either Detroit, Philly, San Francisco, and Arizona. And the Bears would also need to win out. So, I mean, unless it's... <laughs> it feels great that, like, we could say these things, man. I, I never... Even as I knew the Rams would be good, I never thought I'd be sitting here in week 13 saying that the Rams are basically a lock for a first-round bye. And I think that's more... That's less credit to us. I mean, we deserve a lot of credit, but also, like, you know, the fourth-best team in the NFC right now is 6-4-1. and one. So it's, it's not like anyone's really... Cl- chomping at the bit to catch up to us or the Saints. But, you know, speaking of the Saints, we need the Saints, basically, if we want to have a shot here to win, to to get the number one seed and get a bye. We, sorry, my words are jumbled. If we want the overall number one seed and for the playoffs to run through Los Angeles, we need the Saints to lose because right now we're both 10-1, and one. And their head-to-head win over us, which was, no, as we mentioned before, heading into it, probably the biggest game for the year for us. That gives them the advantage. And basically, we need them to drop a game here. And we need to win out to take that number one seed. Truthfully, I don't see the Saints dropping two games. I think they could. And that would give us a little leeway to lose the Bears game and still get the number one seed at 14-2. and But the, the Saints finish with Carolina, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Not exactly the easiest stretch of games, but they do get Pittsburgh at home. Johnny, ultimately, who do you think finishes out with the number one seed here? That's going to be tough just because the Saints are on a tear. You know, they they prove to the NFL that they are, they are the team to beat. They beat the Rams, uh, as far as I'm concerned, are the second best team in the NFL at the moment. And it, it's not going to be easy for them. And the thing is, I was discussing with a good buddy of mine, uh, the top three teams, and we'll probably get to this a little bit later, top three teams are very evident. And then afterwards, it's such a huge drop-off that it's it's kind of incredible. And while the Panthers, uh, you know, they're, they're not a bad team, uh, they probably want to rethink some of their deci- decisions recently but uh you know they're not a bad team uh and then you're talking about the Steelers who is one of the best teams in the AFC uh very flawed team I'd have to say but I would say they are probably the best chance of the Saints actually losing a game but again um it's not impossible for the Saints to lose they did lose to a very mediocre Tampa Bay Buccaneers team earlier this season albeit it was very early this season 
it's not out of the question, but I will say that the um, the likelihood of it happening is pretty close to none at this point. You know, uh, that the Saints drop, you know, a couple games or just one game. Uh, as long as they stay healthy and they keep doing what they're doing, I, I could see the Saints winning the rest of their games out. There's basically two Saints teams that played this year. There's the team that's played from weeks two on, and whatever team showed up and got blitzed by Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, that's especially like if the Saints somehow win out and win the Super Bowl. Like that's just gonna be such an oddity in NFL history is that game. But I think I'm a little. I think it's a little more likely that the Saints do drop a game. They play three road games in a row uh, coming up now. And they're not exactly the toughest stretch of games, but at Dallas, not right now, not a super easy game. Dallas is, they're kind of hot right now. At Tampa Bay, I, <laughs> I mean, just from what we just said, you can't count that game as as an automatic win just because they got smoked by Tampa Bay. I mean, I think they're going to be fine there. At Carolina is probably the game I think they're most likely to drop. You know, three straight games on the road. It's going to be a Carolina team that's going to need every win they could get to get into the playoffs. It's a division rival. Um, I You know, I could see Carolina coming out with a win. I'm The Pittsburgh game is going to be tough, but because it's in New Orleans and for whatever reason Ben Roethlisberger is, like, incapable of playing on the road half the time, I think they do come away with that win. It's going to be that Carolina game that, to me, that's what it's going to come down to for them. And I think if they could get past them, I think they will be fine getting past the Steelers and then Carolina again. But it is a tough stretch. And if the Rams can win out, ultimately I do think that they're going to be able to get the first round by. Because I think the Saints, and it just has to happen. You know, with us, when we were undefeated, I think we all kind of felt like it had to happen at some point. And it was the Saints that ultimately did us in. Granted, they don't play a team as good as the Saints. They don't even play a team as good as the Rams for the rest of the stretch. But... Carolina, Pittsburgh, Dallas, a division rival in Tampa. It's it's not the easiest stretch of games you can have. I think they will drop one. I'm not super confident about it, but my gut tells me they would. And because of that, if the Rams can win in Chicago in Week 14, I think they do get the bye. But I won't be able to say confidently that they will until I see them win that game because you know, that's another story that we'll get to them next week's podcast that's gonna be a tough one speaking of easy i actually i feel like that should be a punchline to something <laughs> uh no <laughs> no but speaking of easy the rams are actually suggested that they have the easiest uh remaining schedule uh in of the entire league and after reviewing what they have left i'm inclined to believe that just because the toughest matchup is obviously going to be the Bears, but after that, it's it's such a you know a lot of mediocre teams for the most part. Uh, I mean, say what you will about the Lions, but um, yeah, compared to just what we talked about with with the with the Saints, it's no contest. You know, the Rams' schedule is so much more easier than than the Saints. So. I will say that the Rams have the better chance of winning out the rest of the season as opposed to the Saints. This is, of course, considering 
that the Rams don't rest their players like they did last year. Right, and uh, I I don't think they would if this is on the line. I think they they know how important it is to wrap up home field. You know, even though it's I think it's way more important to get home field ahead of Chicago than it's ahead of New Orleans, just because we can run in the dome. But ultimately, you still want it to be going through your stadium. I don't think they'd bench anyone with that on the line. But like you, you look at the schedule for the Rams. I mean, Chicago's the toughest. I'd honestly say Detroit is the second toughest. It's on the road. I mean, Philly's coming to L.A. I think that is honestly, and I hope I don't have to eat my words on this, I think it's just going to be a statement blowout win for the Rams over the defending champs, just kind of marking their turf. No matter what happens in that Bears game, they lost a tough game to the Eagles last year. The Eagles went out to the Super Bowl. I think the Rams want to destroy that team, and I think they will. And then, you know, you never count out your division rivals, but Week 16 Arizona and Week 17 San Francisco – I mean, I think those teams are just going to be ready to go home. You know, there's going to be some guys, you know, fighting for roster spots, but guys fighting for roster spots don't exactly scare the league's elite team. So I, if they can beat Chicago and not fall into a trap this week, they're going to be coming out. They're going to be coming out of the stretch in great, great shape. And it's going to be tougher. It's going to be on the saints to wrap up home field more than it is in the Rams. I think now, so you almost saying that the game against Philly, the the Rams are going to define whose house it is. <laughs> I think they will define that it is indeed Rams' house. I want to look at the sket. I want to look at the schedule because I think there's, I think there's a chance that game gets flexed out of prime time. Um, oh man, I hope not. So lucky for us, Chiefs Chargers is a Thursday night game, and looking at the rest of the schedule, let's see if there's anything that seems like marquee here. Uh, I don't think we get oh, Packers Bears. Um, it's possible. I don't think Cowboys Colts would flex us out. Patriots Steelers. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and sorry to who it was, I can't give them credit. That game is probably going to be locked in as whoever Fox or CBS's game of the week. They're probably not giving that up. So I think it just depends on how the Packers play for the rest of the stretch. If the Packers are in contention and the Bears are good. And I guess it goes the same thing for the Eagles. I think the better of those two teams will get this primetime game. It's probably going to be the Eagles. And so luckily for people like me, us non-local fans, I think we're going to be able to keep that primetime game. So that's that's nice. But yes, they, they will define whose house it is, Rams house. And speaking of Rams house, Johnny, anyone who lives in Rams house is basically, and I mean practically addicted to anything that has to do with the Los Angeles Rams. Well, I know anyone who's addicted to the Rams. They probably want to know a bit about the team's pers- history, and maybe even with a bit of a personal touch. If that's true, you're going to want to check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim Hawk's dad, John Hawk, who played offensive lineman, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's a story about a, a man's father, and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers such as Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Beers, Les Richter, and you'll hear about more in this great story spanning the 1950s L.A. Rams. You can find Hogg's book online at HollywoodSteam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. You can find his book through various other booksellers on the internet. 
Guys, this book is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there, but it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, check it out. Hollywood Seam, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. And speaking of things worth your time, we hope our NFL power rankings are, which is what we're about to get into. Johnny, I'm going to let you start here with give me your number five. We'll go five to one. I'm going to start number five out with the Patriots. Okay. Yeah, the the Patriots, I feel like this year especially are a, a tad overrated, but it's kind of one of those teams where they're always in it, you know? And seeing as the AFC being the AFC, uh, they're, they're definitely going to be a lock-in for being one of the top teams. Uh, but overall, in a power ranking standpoint, I'm going to start off with the Patriots at number five. I'm actually going to mention an omission here. I left the Patriots off. And you know why I left the Patriots off? You don't get to, you don't get to get blown out by Tennessee two weeks ago and make my top five. Okay. You, you lose 34 to 10. I'm not, you know, I, I wrote out my, the rest of my power rankings just, uh, you know, see how I think about it. I had the Patriots six, but you don't get to be in my top five with that kind of a loss to a terrible Titans team. And you also got blown out by the Lions this year. You had a bad loss to Jacksonville. You know who's not good? Jacksonville. You know who's not that good? Detroit. I, I'm not saying the Patriots are bad. Uh, they're a great team. They obviously are one of two teams that beat the Chiefs this year. But you don't get in my top five with a fresh loss of the Tennessee Titans. And my number five is that we're going to talk about in the near future, and that is the Chicago Bears. Hopefully they can get Mitch Trubisky back this week. Um, you know, I, I want to, as much as I'd like to brutalize Chase Daniel when we play them, it'll be a lot more fun if Trubisky's healthy. They're, obviously, they're leading by defense. Uh, they already had a really good defense going into the season that, you know, Derek and I and a lot of the Ramstock staffers were very high on their defense. We kind of thought, you know, there's no way this team can be that bad with that good of a defense. Then they go and add the second best defensive player in the league, yeah, second best, and Khalil Mack. And you know, the rest is history. They're eight and three. Their defense is turning. Their offense has improved under head coach Matt Nagy. Mitch Trubisky's having a breakout year. Uh, everyone on the offense has pretty much shown up except Jordan Howard for the most part. But yeah, I'm liking the Bears this year. I got them number five. Well, Bill Belichick, you know, you've got to eat your heart out. Steve left you off the top five, man. <laughs> man, they lost to the Titans two weeks ago. I'm not forgetting it just because they beat the Jets. Uh, let, like, come on. All right, number four. I'll give you my number four first here. That's that's the Houston Texans. Now, I know a lot of you guys will probably call me a hypocrite here because I'm pretty positive the Texans also lost to the Tennessee Titans. But you know what? That was much earlier in the season. They didn't lose two weeks ago. Get destroyed. They only lost by three. Uh, they started the season 0-3, losing to the Patriots, Titans, Giants. Two bad losses in there. But ever since then, man, they've won every game. They've won eight in a row. And they, they haven't beaten you know the cream of the crop, but they've beaten the Colts. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the Washington. They've beaten Denver at Denver. They, they beat the Titans last week, a team who was coming off a blowout win in New England. Uh, you know, At Jacksonville, not that Jacksonville's anything to run home about, but they weren't fully in the gutter at that point. 
uh, Houston, you know, we know we know who they are. They got a lot of stars. Watson's a great, you know, coming out star at quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins, who I personally think is the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, on defense, you got JJ Watt, you got Jadavion Clowney, Tyrell Matthew. It's they got a lot of star power on this team, and I with eight straight wins, I got to put them out at number four slot. What do you What do you got? I do like the Texans, and I think they're probably my number six or number seven team. But uh, my number four spot actually goes to your uh, number five team, which is the Chicago Bears. You know, uh, it's undeniable how talented the Bears are. And just seeing how they're able to keep together with a quarterback like Chase Daniels starting, that says a lot, you know. You know, the the Bears are are a decent team. It's kind of one of those huge drop-offs that I was I was mentioning about the top three. But, um, yeah, as far as the Bears are concerned, I do think they're something special. Uh, and as far as the second-best defensive player in the league, he does make all the difference for that team. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's undeniable the impact that that Khalil Mack has and it's something that the Raider fans all miss and for a good reason and he may be the second best defensive player in the league but he's the top paid defensive player in the league. <laughs> by a hair he had, he had to get that in over Aaron <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, uh, undeniable that the Bears have to be in the top five uh, in my case, I, I put them at number four. It is kind of crazy that the Bears are sitting at eight and three. You know, I, I, I did expect them to be good before the season. I believed, and I, I have the receipts. I emailed this to Derek. I believe I picked them at the wild card spot, but I, I wasn't feeling great about it. Um, you know, eight and three, they're almost a lock to make the playoffs. It's good for them, Johnny. Since I'm assuming we both have the top three as the same, neither of us had Pittsburgh. Neither of us had the Chargers. Um, neither of the Vikings, but I don't, you know, they only have six wins. Pittsburgh and Chargers, though. Any remorse leaving those two teams off your list? You know, I do like the Chargers. The Chargers have actually surprised me a little. Uh, I think, I think you can recall, you know, after we beat the Chargers, that I kind of just kind of mocked them and scoffed at them. But at the same time, They've actually bounced back quite a bit, and they are—they are actually an intimidating team, uh, and you know, someone to be aware of going into the rest of the season, especially on the AFC side. But am I am I sad about leaving them out, or disappointed for leaving them out? Not necessarily, just because I, I still don't believe that they have what it takes to be in the top five. Um, but who knows? Maybe they can, you know, squeak their way into the top five if, you know, the Patriots keep losing or if uh, – or maybe the Bears have a drop-off. You never know. But I, I do I do like the Chargers a lot. I, I, I have to say they've really stepped up. And as far as the Steelers are concerned, they're – quite possibly the most overrated team in the NFL. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just I'm just going to put it out there. They are. The, their offense, you know, I, I really don't understand the love for Connor. Not that he hasn't stepped up, because he has. He stepped up 
for Le'Veon Bell. And kudos. But, like, people talk about him like he's the best player in the NFL. And, no, I'm not over-exaggerating. People really do talk so highly of him. And, yeah, yeah, he stepped up quite a bit, and I'll give him props. But not not to put him in, like, the same breath as, like, a Todd Gurley, you know, or... Yeah, I, you shouldn't. I you shouldn't even put him in the same breath as Le'Veon Bell. I'm sorry. Um, he's a very good player. He, you know, it's like D'Angelo Williams is proof that you know if you're a capable running back, you can flourish in the system. But he, he's not Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't think he's as you know he's he does he does some work in the passing game, but I don't think he's as much of a pass as good of a cast catcher as Bell is. I don't think he's you know as just elusive or as good as of a runner as Bell is since. The pressures come off on James Conner with Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, not coming back. He hasn't exactly put up two great games here in the past two weeks. Uh, against Jacksonville, he ran nine times for 25 yards. Against Denver, who we know because we talked about in this podcast, doesn't have a good run defense. Ran 13 times for 53 yards in a loss. I I do think he's a good running back. He might be, you know, in the top 10, top 15, but he. He's not in the same league, like, obviously, as Gurley. He's not in the same league as Bell. There's a reason Bell is holding out for all this money, and I, I, I don't think the holdout went well for him. I don't think he's going to get as much as he's looking for in the old market. But he's going to get paid a, a good amount of money by somebody. Maybe not what he's hoping for, but you know, there's a reason he, he could do this because he's proven he's that good. And I I just don't think Connor's that level of back. And I... I'm not as down on the Steelers as you are. If they didn't come off a loss at Denver this week, they probably would have snuck into my top five. But they're just inconsistent, man. And you can't trust a team to go to the Super Bowl when the quarterback can't really play on the road that well. In the case of the Chargers, do you know how many teams they've beaten over 500 this year? How many? Take a guess. Um, Maybe five? One. They've beaten one team over 500. And it's Seattle. It's not even like, you know, like a good a good over 500 team. Not, nothing against Seattle, but yeah, they, their only win against team over 500 is Seattle. Their losses, they lost to us. They lost to the Chiefs. All right, fine. They lost to Denver last week. Denver on a, who I guess is on a two-game winning streak against the Chargers and the Steelers. So we can't really, you know, maybe, they, maybe they're coming out. Maybe they figured it out. But... You know, their wins are against Arizona, Oakland, Seattle, Tennessee, Cleveland, Oakland, San Francisco, and Buffalo. I think the Chargers are a good team, but once I looked at that, you know, it was, it was clear I wasn't going to put my my top five. Uh, they're going to be a good team. They have a really good offense, but, like, they got to prove. They got a primetime matchup against the Steelers this week. They got to win that game to kind of, like, prove that they're, they belong in the conversation with the NFL's elite team. Because they do record-wise, but... They haven't proven it yet, you know. Even even Chicago got a win against the Vikings, but you know, Johnny. Speaking of those elite teams, let's get in our top three. Who do you got number three? Uh, well, obviously, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, me too. I I wish that the Chiefs and the Saints, you know, play each other, but I don't think they do. They they don't. And yeah, and and so. It's really hard to say, you know, if who's better than whom because, uh, you know, they, they're these are really talented teams. And as far as the Chiefs are concerned, 
you know, they're, they're, they're really, really talented. You know, they, there's not so much about, there's not so much bad about this team. So in the end, can, uh, can you really put them above, you know, the Rams or the Saints? Not really, just because the Rams beat the Chiefs. And so far, the Saints only have one loss. So, you know, and, you know, albeit it was against a terrible team, but, you know, it, that was early on in the season. Chiefs have two losses, so it's only fair to keep them at number three. But this is still a very, very good Chiefs team that is honestly, it, it, compared to the rest of the AFC, it, in my opinion, there might as well be a lock to the Super Bowl. However, this is the same Chiefs team that tends to choke in the playoffs. Difference, I will say, will probably be Andy Reid. The the Chiefs, they haven't won um, a playoff. They they lost in the playoffs last year, right? Like early. I'm yes. I'm. They haven't won a playoff game since the the early nineties. And Andy Reid, you know, is known for just. You know, going full Andy Reid in games sometimes. He just lose. He's one of the only coach that loses games by himself, pretty much, just with terrible time management and everything. So that is a good point on the Chiefs. You know, when you take in a histor- a franchise that historically chokes with a coach who is hit and miss in the playoffs versus say New England, it might be a little tough to bet on the Chiefs. But I agree with you; they're head and shoulders above the rest at the moment. I will say because I have to. And I'll kind of poke in the flaws of my charges argument. The Chiefs only have two wins against teams over 500. But A, those wins are against the Chargers and the Steelers, who we just talked about as two of the better teams in the league. B, their losses are to the Patriots and the Rams in games that, by a total of six points. I mean, I think the Chiefs have proven themselves. Their, their offense is you know, borderline unstoppable at times. Uh, their defense, not the best, but... I think they did better against the Rams than we give them credit for. You know, they the the Rams um, scored two touchdowns on defense. You know, they the Chiefs actually had a ton of crucial stops at times. So the Chiefs are a ridiculously good football team, and I think they belong in this top three on their own tier with my number two, the Rams, and my number one, the Saints. Johnny, I don't know if you have anything differently. I know Ryan Clark did on ESPN the other week after the Rams lost to the Saints. I mean, coming off a win against the Chiefs, maybe you could make the argument that the Rams should jump them. But, you know, we saw they passed the eye test. The Saints beat us. It was a good game. I know I, I think it will be another great game when we meet them in the playoffs. I think having home field advantage would help us and hopefully lead us to a win. But ultimately, I think we can beat them the next time we get them. They, I don't think we're going to have that kind of first half. Hopefully, knock on wood, next time we play them. But you got it, Rams two Saints ones or vice versa? No, I mean, you, as much as I'd like to put the Rams over the Saints, the Saints still beat us, you know. And by default, they are the best team in the league. However, what I will say is the Rams have some impressive victories. And in my top ten, the Rams have five wins in top ten teams alone. You know, they have a 
they've had a challenging schedule. Not that the Saints haven't, because they face some pretty tough teams too. In, in fact, you know they uh, they play you know a very tough, uh, very tough schedule as you mentioned down the road. You know, uh, especially with the Steelers coming up, and uh, if you, if you want to count the the Panthers as being a tough team, you know they're I would say a decent team, uh, but they have to play them twice still. That being said, I I do want to give the edge to the Rams still just because of the schedule that they've played and they have a victory over uh, the third best team in the league right now in the Chiefs. But, again, you still have to give credit where it's due, and the Saints do have a victory over the Rams. The the Rams is only blemish at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to, this argument. The, the Saints have the win. You, know, you got to give them the head-to-head win, just like they win the tiebreaker in the standings. They win the tiebreaker in both their power rankings. But I think Saints, Rams, Chiefs, it's very close between the three teams. And then you can kind of separate that into a second tier where I'd probably put Bears, Texans, Patriots, Chargers, Steelers. I think I'd throw the Vikings in that tier, maybe. But, um, and then I would... I think this is another drop-off after them. I do want to ask, Johnny, before we get to the Rams and their match against Detroit, who do you have 32? Because the there's three teams with two wins in the league. The, the Raiders, who beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals, who beat the 49ers. And the 49ers, who beat the Raiders. You know, by default, I'm giving this to the Raiders just because... They have to be the most, oh man, I don't even know how to insult them properly just because there's just so many negativity that comes to mind, but I have to say they made the most ill-formed decisions. Ah, hell with it, they're stupid. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, seriously, I mean, first of all, you get rid of the second best defender in the league. And it's not like, oh yeah, you, you know, he's a decent player. No, this is a deep, uh, this is a difference maker. And then you have a guy like John Gruden, who just came to the team, sit there and say, well, it's hard to find, you know, good pass rushers. Well, <laughs> damn, didn't you have one? What did, wasn't his name Khalil Mack? It's hard to find good pass rushers. Are you that stupid? And then, on top of all of that, and while it wasn't a bad trade on paper, they get rid of their probably only good offensive producer in Amari Cooper to get even worse. You know, I I don't get it. And, and it's not even that. I mean, it's not even that they get rid of him, too. It's seeing the amount of damage that Cooper... has potential and looking what he's doing in Dallas. Dallas is thanking the Oakland Raiders. No, actually, I take that back. Dallas is thanking John Gruden for being stupid. Ah, yeah, and and it's it's actually kind of frustrating how stupid they are because even though I despise the Raiders, I actually want them to be a decent team so that the Rams could, you know, beat them more often and say oh well it wasn't just a terrible season yeah that's that's who I have at number 32 <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I brought that up because that wasn't even a planned topic 
but I'm, I'm glad we got blessed with that rant. I agree with you. Oakland is number 32 for me. I'd feel better about playing them down the stretch than I would about Arizona or San Francisco. Not that I'm really scared of any of them, but you know, they, I think they're the most desirable to play of the three. I will say this, though. Um, A, on the Cooper trade, I'm not sure why it was so like panned at the time by everyone saying how Dallas got fleeced. Now, and I think we talked about this after it happened. Guys like Cooper aren't out there usually, and it clearly they made a good trade. I think it was a win-win for both sides because um, he's you're not gonna you don't need to pay him. I don't know. They, they the relationship was done there. If so, the Raiders have five first round picks over the next two years. If they hit on all five, then you know kudos to Gruden. He did a, he did a good job. You you know Khalil Mack is going to make as many much money as maybe five ten players would on rookie contracts. So I'll give him some credit there. But you know if they don't hit on these draft picks, if they miss on even one or two of them. That, that man is going to be buried forever for making that Khalil Mack trade. The Cooper trade, though, I think that was a win-win. I'm, I don't think we can really clown Gruden for that one. But at the same time, you're right. You know, they literally traded their two best players. So, not great, John. All right, before we get to the Rams, guys, we're going to talk about a different Ram, and that is the Golden Ram Barber Shop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like that old-school barbershop experience, Check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a Shrine of the Ram on the day they left for St. Louis. He's kept the lights on ever since. He's like the team in two cities, guys. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-RAMS. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows who sent you. Now he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan, and he's going to hook you up with a discount on an already affordable haircut. Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Fridays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, guys. Give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. And this is just shop is worth it. Not only just to enjoy all the great Rams from Avila you're going to find there, but Sal provides you with that old-school, classic barbershop experience. He's going to talk Rams, football with you, and more. He's also going to give you a great haircut. So trust me, guys. You won't regret hitting up the Golden Ram Barbershop. All right. The Rams, they take on... A 4-7 and seven Detroit Lions team on the road this week. But what we want to start with is this is a team back from a bye. And most importantly, Aqib Talib has been designated to return from the IR. And he is expected back in this game. It's not set in stone yet. But assuming it is, Johnny, what are your expectations to see from Talib coming back? Well, considering he plays, which I, I, I think he's determined to play, which is kind of nice. I don't know if you can expect the guy to come out and just dominate. And let's say he even does make it onto the starting, you know, starting the game. I imagine that Wade Phillips will have him at limited reps just because to, to ask him to come and, you know, start a game and play, you know, as many snaps as possible. That that's a lot. That's a lot to ask for a guy that just, you know, was just on the IR. So, personally, I think that in terms of his ability, I think he should be fine. In terms of fatigue and everything, that just kind of depends on, you know, how much he's been able to work out, how much he's been, you know, able to, you know, stick around for Wade Phillips' defensive philosophy. Uh, Other than that, 
I, I think, you know, Tlaib will be fine. You just got to watch the fatigue factor. Yeah, I, I think limited reps would be wise. Uh, I'd like to see him out there, even if he only plays like 10 or so snaps. When he's out there, um, I would like to see him kind of, assuming Marvin Jones doesn't play again, the the only Lions receiver that really matters is Kenny Galladay, who you know might be the perfect, easier way back into guarding wide receiver once. Because you know he's good, but he's not elite by any standards. He might not even be in the. He's probably not in the top half of wide receiver ones in the league. So I'd like to see when he's out there. I'd kind of like to see him going at Galladay man to man. I'd like to see Peters get a get a couple shots at Galladay as well. Really, I've, I'm excited to see them both on the field together to see how they perform. Ultimately, I, I have high expectations for this pass defense for the rest of the season. I think with Talib back once once he's kind of back in the flow of things, we ease him in a little bit. We're going to need these guys to step up, and ultimately I think they will. But speaking of, you know, guys stepping up, Johnny, is there any other players you want to see here, you know, kind of step it up, you know, get back into form or even take a leap coming out of this bye week? You know, as far as defensively, pretty much all of the linebacking core, with the exception of maybe Corey Littleton. Uh, I know um, Kim had had an amazing game against the Chiefs, but it, he hasn't had exactly consistent play throughout the season. So it'd be nice to kind of show that he's, you know, stepping up into his role and being that guy that we need. Uh, and as far as defensively, that's really much, pretty much it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can jaw all day about, uh, uh, about Marcus Peters, you know, but we've kind of covered that a lot. And I, I think... If Talib is is in, you know, even with limited reps, I think Peters will be fine, especially against this team because uh, I think uh, Marvin Jones is out for the season if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, as far as him being that second guy, that's exactly the balance the Rams needed, and we don't have to worry about Troy Hill anymore. <laughs> Well, we might get him a little bit more this week, and yeah, you are right about Marvin Jones. He is done for the year, so Galladay is really the only guy in that passing offense since Golden Tate got traded. As far as Peters is concerned, yeah, I think he is actually on an upswing in the past two weeks since that brutal matchup against Michael Thomas, and I'd like to just see him continue to get better and better, get back into form. Uh, I think he's trending in the right direction, and with the lead back, it's only going to help. Mark Barron was the guy I was going to say, so yeah, I agree with you on the linebacking core. Barron, he hasn't been great since he's come back from his injury. I, I'm hoping the bye week helps him, and I, I really like him to step up and be you know that great you know, hybrid safety linebacker that we grew to love and that got a big extension a couple of years back. I think, I don't know if he'll be worth the money he's getting paid, but I think he will be better. Dante Fowler's a guy I'd like to see come, you know, continue to make great plays he's, he's made a couple over the past couple weeks obviously he had the big one against seattle uh, i i like to see kind of him just get more comfortable get into the swing of things maybe even start a couple games here down the stretch and, and play some matt longacre who you know hasn't been great uh, probably not gonna be back next year also i'd like to see a little more out of lamarcus joiner you know i know he made a big play against kansas city but he's in a contract year i don't think the rams are gonna pay him but go earn that money, man. I'd love to see him go earn himself a big contract this offseason. And offensively, the, 
I don't really have anyone. You know, I think Reynolds, Everett, Higby, they all stepped up last week, continued to play hard. I mean, you know, who am I to say you're complain about anything Goff or Gurley or Cooks or Woods is doing? Yeah, actually, I was going to get into uh, offense. The only one for me would be the tight ends, Higby and, and Everett, particularly Everett because um, the past couple of weeks, Everett has stepped up a little bit. Uh, I'd like to see him continue that progression, and he might be to the point where I might actually want to pick him up in fantasy football. <laughs> you know, I lost my tight ends in one of my leagues, big 14-team league. I had Jack Doyle and O.J. Howard. So this week, oh, yeah, I got Cam- I picked up Cameron Bray after Howard went down. Now he's my starter. I don't feel great about it, and unfortunately, Gerald Everett was already picked up. And, you know, I thought about grabbing Higby as a backup, but... You know, I think Everett's going to be the guy moving forward, given how he played in that Chiefs game. So, I don't know how much value Higby has. You know, if you're not in a crazy deep league like this, I wouldn't even consider Higby. But uh, desperate times, man. That that was a rough blow to my team. Let's let's get to our opponent here, though, Johnny. We got the Detroit Lions. It's been a weird, kind of bizarre year for the Lions. You look at their schedule. You look at their wins. Okay, they beat in. New England, Green Bay, Miami, and Carolina. You know, Green Bay is, they've had their struggles, but they're still Green Bay. New England, obviously, they're 8-3. and three. Carolina, they're a good team. Miami, not the bad, not, not, they're not good. What, what am I even saying? They're all right. Um, but they've lost a lot of games, too. When you, but when you really look at their schedule, you know, the only eat bad just straight up not good teams they played is are the Jets and the 49ers, who they lost to, of course, because it's been, it's been that kind of year for Detroit. But over the last couple of weeks, they played Chicago twice. They played Minnesota. They played Seattle. They played Carolina. I mean, does this have any makings of a trap game to you? In a, in a Jeff Fisher-Rams universe, Absolutely. But in a Sean McVay universe, no. Uh, I mean, this this it could be potentially is what I'm saying. But I, I think that one thing that Sean McVay does really well is he tends to respect his opponents no matter who they are and takes them very seriously. And the Lions, you, you just listed the names themselves, you know. They, they played some decent teams. Uh, and great teams, I would add, and won. So they are not to be taken lightly, especially uh, defensively. I I'm not nervous about this game at all. But if they don't, if the Rams don't show up to play, this could be a trap game. If this, but I I will say no. Yeah, if this game was like when we played Denver or around that time. I think I'd be a little bit more inclined to call it a trap game. But just because of where it is in the schedule, we're coming off a bye week. We're coming off a hot game against Kansas City. I think this team's going to be amped up. I think they'll be fired up to get back on the field. They're going to want to win. I, Detroit, they're not the worst team in the league. They're far from the best team. I mean, if Carrion Johnson doesn't play, like the only playmaker they have on their offense is Kenny Galladay. Matt Stafford is is good, but he cannot do it by himself. I think his career has proven that. Even though you know he's he's carried his team to victory plenty of times, but 
if Carry On's not out there, I mean, am I scared of LeGarrette Blunt? Am I scared of Theo Riddick? Am I scared of Bruce Ellington? You know, guys like that? No. Like, no, I'm not at all. And even going on the road into Detroit, not the toughest environment, if if the Rams are a team that travels well, um, and that's no disrespect to any of us Rams fans, I, this could be a game that they'd be able to pack out. But <laughs> coming off a of bye week, we're 10-1. They haven't played in a while. These guys are going to be fresh. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to need a tune-up game. I think this is going to be it. And for my prediction, I think the Rams, you know, they, they've struggled with covering the spread. It's a 10-point spread this week. I think they cover it. I'll give them a 34-14 uh, victory. I think I, f- I feel good about this one. I know it has to make it to the trap game, but A, it's not a division rival. B, it's not a team that you know has much to play for, if anything. Uh, they're not fired up. Their coach isn't on the hot seat. A lot of their guys are injured. Um, and ultimately, they're just not that great of a team. Decent defense, but that hasn't stopped us against anybody. I think this is going to be a blowout for the Rams, and it'll be nice. It'll be nice to watch. You know, we've kind of needed this. I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I had a similar score in my head, but this is butting head, so I want to change it up a little bit. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll go a little bit more radical and say uh, 42 to 13 Rams. Okay. You know, I, I don't expect it, but I can see this game looking a little bit like the Raiders game from early on in the year where it's close after the first half. They come out slow. Uh, just a little rusty, and then second half, just blow out in favor of the Rams. I think it's more likely they just dominate the whole game, but I could see that happening. I, I just can't imagine a world where this is a close game, man, and I, I hate being that cocky um, going into a game like this, but I don't know, man. We got a really good team, and they don't, and we're rested. They're not. I mean, I guess they had, they had a long week to prepare for this game, but... It, we we should we should take care of business, no problem in this game. If the Rams make this a close game, then uh, the Rams have some serious concerns for the rest of the season, because that would make me less confident going into Chicago, you know, uh, a little later on. So, uh, but ultimately, I, I I can't see this being you know too close. Well, let's add this. I'll, I'll go first so you can think about it. What, like, hypothetically, if something were to happen in this game, what would be the thing that could happen besides injuries that would concern you the most about this team moving forward? And for me, I think it's if we get torn apart in the passing game. Now, I know Matthew Stafford is good. I think he's been an underrated player throughout his career. But without Marvin Jones, with Golden Tate on a different team, with on Johnson potentially on the sideline, they should not be able to pass on us. I, I know Kenny Galladay might have a couple nice plays here and there. Even if he like beats up Marcus Peters a little bit, they should not really be have a good day through the air against us. Their receiving core is terrible. And if we can't stop this receiving core, going into the playoffs, when we get like even playing Chicago next week, then down the line, when you got to play New England, New Orleans, when you got to play like down the line the Super Bowl, either Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, Kansas City, um, New England, you know, this is that would concern me greatly if they have a great day through the air against us in this game. Uh, 
All right, there is a second team in Los Angeles. <laughs> I never like called them just Los Angeles. I, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> um, for me, the the biggest concern would be not necessarily offensively because, yeah, I mean, defense is more of a concern overall than anything. That part is for sure. But it's kind of the idea of them being too overconfident, especially offensively. I think we've seen we've seen in the past where uh, Goff got a little too creative. And, and it's an extension also of Sean McVay, not just of Jared Goff. But when they get too creative and, and uh, uh, too cute, I would say, um, and, their, and their play decisions, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to see that unless they're up by, like, 50 points. And by then, by all means, do whatever the hell you want. Throw in Sean Mannion if you want to. Uh, I know Steve just kind of cringed a little bit there. Ugh. You guys didn't see it, but Steve cringed yeah. when I said John Mannion. <laughs> but that that's my ultimate concern is that offensively we get a little too cocky. You know, Goff tries to force in, you know, a pass that he shouldn't. And, you know, it, it's fine against certain teams, but this may not be a team uh, defensively especially that they want to do that. Because, you know, the Lions defense is, you know, not bad. I wouldn't say – I know that the Rams have played tougher defenses, to be honest, but it, it's it's a decent defense and not one to take too, too lightly. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely um, a middle-of-pack defense, maybe even a little higher, maybe in, a, uh, maybe in the top half. But to be honest with you, man, in terms of being concerned – the Rams could come out, score seven points, have their worst offensive day of the year, and honestly, I wouldn't be that concerned about it. But this is an offense that had the only really bad game, their worst offensive game, I'd say, was Denver, and that was really just because Jared Goff had a bad day. Todd Gurley had a field day. Um, you know, if they were to come out, play bad, maybe even lose, um, I wouldn't be super concerned about it. I'd be very angry, but long term, you know, bad games happen. I don't think this is going to be the game that it happens, but we might see a game in the final five games where the Rams have a bad game offensively, and I, you know, if we if we come out with a stinker against Chicago, I might be a little more concerned, but I don't know. I'm just not worried about that offense. I think there's too much talent in the booth and on the field to be concerned about it. Well, if the Rams do lose, I expect Twitter to go crazy. And seeing a bunch of pink slips being handed out by, you know, the couch general managers. <laughs> As I've said, not a while, but I always say that I, you know, I watched the sit. I'm a 76ers fan in the NBA. I watch them a lot. And one thing that the 76ers fan base always says is that our coach, Brett Brown, he only coaches in losses. Because, you know, whenever we win, it's, it's never his fault. It's only his fault when he loses. And... <laughs> I think that was kind of like the same with us during Fisher, although way more reasonable than a guy like Brett Brown. But if anyone's calling for McVay's jobs or even Wade Phillips' jobs, just just stop it. Just stop it. Neither of them need deserve to be fired at all, let alone midseason. But, Johnny, I think we can wrap it up here. I will be at the Giants-Bears game this Sunday at MetLife. I will be happy to report back with some scouting tips for everyone, and then I'm actually going out to Chicago for that Rams-Bears game. So next week's show should be a fun one. 
But before then, guys, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro and Johnny at Johnny Five Not Six, and of course Rams Talk at Talk Rams. You can find Rams Talk on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Rams Talk. And again, find us anywhere you can find your podcast, guys, and on iBeatRadio.com Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Johnny, any parting thoughts for our listeners? Don't worry, guys. We're gonna we're gonna have football back in in Los Angeles pretty soon <laughs> uh, although technically this is in detroit you get what i mean back-to-back road games so two weeks man before we get back in los angeles but all right johnny for johnny the steve ribeiro we will talk to you guys later can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.